Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, gardeners. Welcome to or welcome back to Gardening Naturally. Lovely day to be outside. Um, Just a little cooler. But after this last summer, who's complaining? Right? Going to be great weather today. We just get to enjoy it. Let's um, go to the phone. This is John. John, what can I help you with? John, you had a uh, you had a gentleman uh, called in about winter rye just a couple minutes ago. Yes, uh, I wanted to. He, he's complaining about the moisture. It's always going to be wet like that. I would suggest he bag mow. Uh, two and a half inches is a good height. One thing he can do. Uh, and for everybody that has winter rye, uh, they underestimate the growth. But there's a product, uh, if they clean their deck real good on their mower, there's an actual spray paint product that they can spray the bottom of their deck, um, and it will prevent the sticking from the rye. But they're going to have to still bag it. It's going to clump the mower, but it's not going to do it nearly as bad. Um, and then once you're done, a very 30-second quick still rinse of the uh, of the deck clears all that out instantly. Um, I can't remember what the product name is, and it's probably going to be in the spray paint aisle because uh, it's a spray okay. paint aerosol can, um, but it works wonders. Well, and I would think that it protects the deck because that's what kills most lawnmowers is the deck gives way. So that sounds like a way to get it to last a little longer. Yeah, and he also mentioned uh, sharp blades. You you want them real, real sharp. Uh, yeah, uh, we tend to do that once a year. Oh, let me sharpen the blades and I'm done. No, for a good turf, you got to do it more often than that, a lot more often than that. Um, with this so. thin-bladed grass like rye, um, I get it to build up pretty quickly, but I have a port on the deck that I that I can attach a hose to and run the mower while I'm blasting water in there, and that does a really good job of cleaning out the deck. Not everybody's mower yeah. has that. Yeah, it has a little screw-on nipple that you can attach to the water hose. Right. Yeah. Um, I think Toro, Toro or X Marks makes those. Yeah, those are great, but... Um, yeah, people underestimate this winter rye. Like I say every week, expect two and a half to three inches of growth a week. I mean, it's no joke. So be ready to be out there once or twice a week mowing. That's why landscapers do not like putting it down unless you're trying for erosion control. So, Oh, well, that's information I didn't get. Um, I'll make sure I pass that along when people choose it. I've always thought it's strange anyway. If you're not using it for erosion control and you just want to maintain a green lawn, that means you just want to go out there and mow more often. I've never understood wanting to do more work, okay? But that's just me. Well, John, I appreciate the... There's a product. I want to mention it real quick. Uh, I'm going to start doing it next year in the winters when grass goes dormant. It's actually a spray for your turf. It'll keep your green grass all year round. It looks beautiful. So I'm starting that product next year. I'll reach out to you next year for that, Jeff. Kind of like you would stripe a football field? 
Yes, sir. It goes on uh, with a pump sprayer. It lasts about two months. You don't have to mow. You don't have to water it. It's resilient for pets. It's pet friendly and it's environmentally friendly. Looks beautiful. Hmm. I would appreciate, John, if you can get feedback to us about that product. Um, I know a lot of people that would. I've always said that the best turf in Austin would be to, to pave your yard and paint it green. Yeah. So maybe this so, is the way to do it. <clears throat> yes, sir. But I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can email you, and I'll reach out to you when I get sooner to that, Jeff. Okay. John, I appreciate the phone call. I look forward to the information. Um, let's see here. Let's go to the phone. This is Larry. Larry, what can I help you with? Hi, Jeff. Um, two things. Uh, my initial question was about Bermuda grass. Um, the summer pretty much wiped out the uh, Bermuda in my backyard. I, I guess we just didn't water as much as we should have. There are little occasional green sprigs I can see out there, but um, I know Bermuda goes dormant and is resilient, but I think um, I neglected it. Would I overseed? I don't want to resod, but would I overseed with Bermuda seed or any other seed, and how and when? What and when? Okay, you can reseed Bermuda. Bermuda by seed is available. It's relatively inexpensive. Here's the problem. We're getting too cold for Bermuda to want to germinate. So you may need to wait till spring to put down new Bermuda seed. Also, Bermuda will is resilient. You may be surprised at how much comes back but it would be okay to put Bermuda seed on top of Bermuda <coughs> to let it fill in really fast for you. But not now. You, you really will need to wait till spring. So consider that. Okay. Well, I know what I'll be doing in April then. Um, I the would other say thing, in March. Somebody, I'm sorry? I would say you should be able to start doing it in March. Okay. Very good. Um, the other thing, somebody called in about the countries, and I just wanted yeah. to give you an observation of why pecan trees are like politicians. Mm -hmm. There's no time okay. of the year they're not dropping some kind of crap on you that you don't want. Leaves, pollen, <laughs> you know, sap. Um, and then once a year they throw some nuts at you to make you think you want to keep them. But <laughs> I would advise people... Never plant a pecan tree near a structure or a parking area. Yes. Yes. You need a, a decent round away from them because the nuts and the stuff that drops is messy. And they, can, uh, they are slab jackers. They will raise a slab, a, a driveway, a sidewalk, and uh, that's not something you want. Yep, very good. Okay, see you in March. Thank you, Larry, for the phone call. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Um, I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590. 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> um, listen, I, I told you when I screw something up, I will correct it and let you know. Last week, I stumbled badly trying to explain the USDA zones to everybody. So I'd like to try that again today. I am looking at uh, plant hardiness uh, at the USDA.gov site. And plant hardiness lets you know what, how cold it may get on average <clears throat> for a given area. Why is this a big deal? Well, for one, it lets you know what plants are most likely to survive here. It's not a guarantee. And there's something you have to understand here. These are average temperatures. The USDA takes information for 30 years. And those 30 years, it will compile it to come up with what they call a temperature zone. The zones go from 1A, which is basically the North Pole, to zone 65, or I'm sorry, zone 13D, which is um, tropical desert like the Sahara, Death Valley may reach those numbers. Here's how it works. Each zone, they'll tell you what is the average maximum cold temperature they'll see, okay? We have, for example, zone 7A where the maximum cold over 30 years was zero to five degrees. Now, again, this is average. You always get the year where it's the unbelievable cold and you need to uh, do something to protect your plants. You need to worry about what's happening to them. We used to be in the old map. When I moved here in 85, uh, Austin and Williamson County was a 7B. What that meant was, <clears throat> on average, on average, we would get between 5 and 10 degrees in terms of how cold it could be. Well, in 2006, they tabulated the data again over the 30 years and over so many more measurement points. In other words, lots more thermometers out there. And we became 8A, which is 10 to 15 degrees. That's all the colder it'll get on average. 
that caused a lot of hassle, caused a lot of political arguments, because this was direct proof that we were getting a warmer climate. And some folks didn't want to release it because they said it was false. Some folks didn't want to release it because they didn't want the headache. Well, now we have the new 2023 map. And the Austin area is now in zone 9A. What that is, is the coldest it will get on average is 20 to 25 degrees. Yes, I'm fully aware. I had my weather station tell me it was eight degrees one year at my property in Williamson County. But on average, we only get to 20 to 25 degrees of cold. Since I moved here, 1985, it's gone up 15 degrees. It's gotten 15 degrees warmer over that 30-year span. This number is a simple clue. It's not a hard rule. It is simply a clue for you. When you go shopping to buy a plant and it has a tag on it that says, 8A, that means it can handle when it gets to 15 to 20 degrees. Now, unfortunately, the average can really kill us here. We can be 8 degrees rather than 15, and the plants are going to suffer. It's not just the cold that affects us. But we have a new map, so we now see changes in temperatures. And that means we may see changes in plants that we can, in fact, grow here. But do not forget, these are averages. They're not permanent. They're not every year is going to be oh, we are only going to go down to 20 degrees. No, it's the average over 30 years. Now, that average has been going up. Every 30-year measurement we make, it has been getting warmer. We've picked up um, five degrees. Yeah, five degrees in the last 30 years and five degrees before that. So we are getting warmer as we go along based on these measurements and they do bazillions of measurements. They can measure down to a quarter acre in some places based on what the temperature is. So this has been talked about a bit 
And I totally screwed up the discussion of it last week. So I wanted to make sure that it was clear as to what's going on. To how cold we tend to get here in our part of Texas. And we use that to determine what plants will grow here. Do we want to grow here? It helps the folks who raise plants. It helps nurseries um, <clears throat> help pick out what is uh, plants that can work well here. It has an economic impact to make sure they don't sell you a plant that's just going to turn around and die. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We're at the bottom of the hour for the news. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. Um, I'm sorry about the... <clears throat> I'm sorry about going through the USDA thing again, but I had to... I Man, I messed up in what I said last week. So whatever you heard me say last week, ignore I walk through it as best I can this week. Uh, try to keep it straight. It makes a difference. Now, you can find the USDA guide by going to the USDA. Usually, just type in your search engine, plant hardiness zone, and it'll get you there. So you can see, and the new zone works really well because you can select an area, you can put in your zip and zoom in on it. So you can see what's going on. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at where I live. And I'm able to zoom in down to street level. I'm actually looking at the street that my home is on. And I can see all of what zone surrounds me. Let's go to the phone. This is Eileen. Eileen, what can I help you with? Uh, yes, good morning. Um, I have pansies, quite a few pansies that I'd like to set in the in pots, out, outside pots. Is it kind of late to put these pansies in? No, not really, but there's one thing. They won't survive a freeze. So okay. if you can run out there and throw a cover over them if we're going to get that cold. Mm -hmm. They'll probably do okay. But you can put them in pots now. You just got to keep an eye out for when we finally get that 
holy cow, here we come. That's our first freeze. You want to okay. cover them up to keep them warm, and they'll do fine. Okay, thank you. If I had planted them earlier, would they have been hardier through a freeze? Maybe. The more time they have to make their roots, the stronger they would be. So, yeah, if you would have planted them earlier, because we we had a decent month of reasonable yes. temperatures, uh, and they would have survived that month. But they'll grow <laughs> now, and they can still bloom for you. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate everything you do. Thank you. Well, thanks for the call. Yeah, folks, um, those are plants we could still be putting in the ground right now. Alyssum, pansies, they'll, they'll handle this cold, cold weather. Now, earlier I was talking about seeds. You let your flower seeds go. Don't be cutting stuff back yet because the wildlife go after it. The finches, the sparrows, the little birds especially, they will go and attack your seeds and it's food source for them. So don't be cutting them down. They'll take care of them. The, this includes even your potted plants. If you've got basil, whether it's in the garden or a potted plant, and it bloomed, well, leave it as long as you can. Those birds, they got this thing about basil seed. They just will go crazy around it. Um, so don't disappoint them. When you have flowering plants that go to seed, this is the time of the year where you're going to try uh, you're going to try to let those seeds be available to the birds. Now, <clears throat> I might have one exception, and that would be chives. Oh, my gosh. If you have chives, which are delicious, which are great, they grow really well here, and they bloom you will have chives forever. <laughs> they will just keep coming up and coming up. And gee, <laughs> they will take over your garden. They're not really, they're not really hard at getting out of the garden. We use the garden fork, push it into the ground, lift the soil pull out the chives. But there were a lot of them things. I mean, a lot. But the birds do so love the seeds. And like I said, my Texas sages, I didn't realize they were so aggressive. They put out a boatload of seeds. And the thing is, so many of them start. I have them growing everywhere on my property, even though I only put them in as a bit of a fence line. Well, everywhere I put them, 
all around them, I'm getting these new little starts coming up. And they're spreading more and more every year. Fortunately, they mow down well. And if I wanted to, I suppose I could dig some up and transplant them to where I want them to be. But they are, they are just aggressive. Let's put it that way. They are an aggressive grower. A lot of times in your garden, this one's a little unusual. The cooler it gets, the less water that a plant needs, okay? So we have plants like lettuce and kale and spinach, mustards, where they'll be in the ground and as we water, we water them to make sure they're getting what they need. But then the temperature drops. So we've effectively overwatered the plant. And that can cause some yellowing. It's difficult if, when we have these conditions because in a single week in Texas, we may have to water because the plant will request it, will want it, it's so warm. And in that same week, suddenly it'll be really cold and the plant will be like, no, I don't, I don't need any more. And you can see yellowing from that. It's not unusual. It doesn't mean the plants are dying or anything like that. It's just they're reacting to the conditions of the weather. And sometimes the weather changes faster than the plants can react to it. <clears throat> so a yellowing many times, not every time, one of the first clues we look for is what is the water situation for the plant? Does it get to dry out at all, ever? And I'm not talking about bone dry. We just, we water slow, we water deep, we really soak it in, but we only do that when the plant needs it. If you put your finger in the soil and the soil's muddy, it doesn't need to be watered. That is one of the quickest ways to yellow a plant too much water, even unintentionally. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I got to take a break. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey folks, welcome back. Gonna be a nice day today. Not a huge chance of rain, okay? Some chance of rain. We'll take what we can get. Um, no guarantees. We had some cool weather this week. Those of you in the outlying areas, as they say in the hill country, you may touch freezing. You may drop into the up 
upper 20s. Here in Austin, they are not predicting a freeze, but we're getting close to our average freeze date. In Austin, it tends to be around December 1st. Now that, of course, varies. There's no particular, okay, it's going to happen on December 3rd at exactly 3.28 in the morning. That's not how it works, folks. But on average, it's around December 1st. So you should be spending time, especially on non-windy days like this, of getting your frost cloth, your protective covers, things like that. Get them in place. You don't necessarily have to put them on your plants. Just put them where your plants are. If you've got hoops you've got to gather, things like that, get them. Lay them out close to your plants. Put the hoops up if you want. And take the frost cloth or cover and stretch it out and lay it at the base of the plants. Put some rocks on it or something so the wind can't blow it away. That will make you ready to go when you need it. We're slowly sneaking our way to it. We're, we're, we're getting to the it's coming. And we know it will. And the thing is, it may not be unbearable cold, although that's a fear they have. It may just be, let's touch freezing for a few hours and then we'll warm up again. That cover is perfect for ensuring that your plants can make it through that brief time. We got a lot of plants out there yet that can't handle freeze at all. I want to tell you, if you are growing limes, the citrus plant that makes limes, that is a zero freeze tolerant plant. It will kill it if we get a freeze. So if you have one, I hope you didn't plant it in the ground because you'll have to really work to keep it above freezing. If you have it in a container, at least you can move the container and keep it going. Some of our plants, like strawberries, you're going to want to cover those to keep them going. Broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, They can handle to about 28 degrees. If they've been in the ground for a long time, you may be able to sneak them down to 25 degrees without damage. Spinach and lettuce, if they've been in the ground for any length of time and they've developed some good roots, you may freeze some outer leaves but you can pluck those off, throw them in the compost pile, and your plants will produce new leaves. That is the big advantage of cut and come again plants. Not only can you harvest for a very long time, 
Not only can you do that, but you can turn around and kind of defend against a freeze or a frost. That will keep things uh, hanging in there and doing well. Frost cloth is probably the least expensive thing you can use. There are other things you can rig up. Those portable greenhouses. I actually got asked about one of those uh, by a friend the other day. The kind of pop-up greenhouses. They sell them at the big box stores and you can uh, throw one of these up fairly quickly and you can keep special plants in there. Maybe you've got uh, a lime. You can throw the lime in this little pop-up greenhouse. Now you gotta be careful. They will stay warm, but you may add to have you may have to add some heat because even a greenhouse in the coldest weather, it gets cold in the greenhouse. They help preserve heat. They will help keep the plants warmer, but you still have to keep it warm enough. And we get cold enough around here that even with frost cloth, it will freeze underneath it. So it's not a be-all, end-all, fix everything, but it helps. It helps. It will keep your garden going. And in the early spring, it gives you the ability to start seeds earlier. There are lots of things you can do. Um, Today is a really good day for it. It's not real windy. It's not raining. It's not super cold. You can get out there and get prepared. Get your stuff out. Get it where it needs to go. Get ready and start thinking about what you are or are not going to cover. I still have tomatoes and peppers. Big, beautiful bell peppers. You know what? They're going to die. <laughs> they're going to make it or they're not. I am not going to bother covering them. They just aren't worth it. I can get a new pepper. I can get a new tomato. I don't need them to keep going. I'm not going to put that effort in to keep them growing. Because they're probably not going to bloom anymore for me. And no blooms mean no fruits. So your choice. I don't think people are putting many new plants in the ground right now. So prepare to protect the ones you do have. It will get cold sooner than you think. And it always winds up being you just got home from work. It's dark out. It's cold out. It's windy. And on a good day, it'll be raining, too. 
and you'll be out there trying to protect stuff. Do it when it's not needed. Do it now. It will not hurt the plants, and you'll be ready to go when you get surprised and we actually get a notice uh, that it's going to freeze. Now, what about your turf? This would be a good time to put down your favorite lawn fertilizer. No extra dose, no super heavy, just a good, decent fertilizer to put it down now and let it slowly melt its way into the soil to feed those roots, to give the roots strength to survive both the cold, but also to prepare them for spring. So that when the spring weather comes and the soil starts warming up and it gets warmer, those roots will be ready to pop out good, green, luscious turf for you. And you can do that now if you haven't yet. A little fertilizing or a layer of compost around your trees and shrubs, that gets them winterized. That gets them prepared for that gets them prepared for the cold weather and keeps them healthy. Now we can only hope, trust me, I am hoping both fingers crossed that we do not get the ice storm that we got the other year. Don't wanna see that again. I lost uh, one, two, two and a half trees because of the ice storm. Had to cut them back. They were in terrible shape. They were never gonna recover. I don't wanna see that again. And during the freeze apocalypse, yeah, lost my share of trees then too. So we're gonna hope for a more moderate winter and hopefully, hopefully, we get some rain during the winter. A rainy winter will lead to a beautiful spring wildflower bloom. A rainy winter will also reduce the number of grasshoppers. Dry winters produce an awful lot of grasshoppers in the spring. So that's what we're looking forward to. That's what we're hoping we can get this year. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Coming up on the top of the hour, we'll break for the news. I will talk to everybody again tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Have a great day.